0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner of the great. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's all now. Downtown Dan Connection. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work.
1: I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. (laughs) I gotta salute
0: you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school, trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Today's guest from the Big Sky Conference in Idaho State, a coach who is no stranger to building programs and creating them to have sustained excellence. Coach Ryan Looney. Coach, thanks for joining.
1: Yeah. Thanks for
0: having me. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to hearing how the growth of your program has gone. And in, in, in regards to when I look at your coaching path, you spent some time in Eastern Oregon, one losing season, and then you, the program took off. Seattle Pacific was a, was a solid program before you got there, but you got them to the NCA tournament at the division two-year level uh, consistently. You go to Point Loma, one losing season, and then the program is on the rise. It looks like you're doing the same thing in Pocatello at Idaho State. Year one, you got to implement your system. Now you guys are definitely on the rise. What do you attribute to as far as your passion for building programs?
1: Yeah, Dan, I think it's interesting. Um, Now over the course of a long career, I have coached at virtually every level uh, you can coach at. Um, My very first job was a graduate assistant uh, at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, which is Division III. Um, Back then, when I first got going, uh, Wisconsin Platteville was a really strong program within that conference. Uh, Wisconsin Stevens Point was really good. Uh, And they had elite coaches. Um, Bo Ryan was just finishing up at Wisconsin Platteville at that time and eventually became the head coach at Wisconsin. Um, Jack Bennett was the head coach at Wisconsin Stevens Point, uh, uncle of Tony Bennett. Um, So some really good coaches, uh, strong history. Uh, I think I got a watch. Uh, some really good coaches coach against them, uh, look at how they developed their program and what types of players uh, they were recruiting. Uh, and then shortly after that, I took an assistant coaching job at the division two level. Uh, my boss at Wisconsin lacrosse became the head coach at Minnesota state Moorhead. And I went with him there. Um, and at that time, Northern state uh, was in our, in our league. And Don Meyer uh, was the head coach there. Um, One, close to as many games as anyone in the history of college basketball. Uh, And again, from the outside looking in, looking at a program in regards to what type of players they had, the different guys they brought in every year, uh, how cohesive they were. um, I think that always kind of resonated with me as well. Uh, And then shortly after that, I got an opportunity at a very young age to become the head coach at my alma mater. And quite frankly, uh, I had a vision for the program. Uh, and I wasn't going to let anything, uh, distract me uh, from that. We wanted guys that were team first, um, guys that had a blue collar attitude and work ethic. Um, we wanted guys that we knew what we were going to get from every day. They weren't going to be moody. Um, they were going to come in with a positive attitude. They were always going to put the team first. Um, at Eastern Oregon, we struggled that very first season, but, kind of like we did here Uh, before year two, we had, I think, 11 new players in the program and it just kind of took off from there. Uh, We ended up winning the school's first ever conference title and went to the NAI national tournament for the first time in school history. And then the year after that, we did all those things again. Um, We were ranked as high as third in the country at that level, got to the elite eight of the NAI national tournament. And then Shortly after that, uh, I took the head coaching job at Seattle Pacific, which was a completely different dynamic. Uh, SPU is a place that has a rich tradition. Um, We weren't trying to obviously change that, uh, but I still wanted to recruit the same type of kids. Um, That is something that uh, has never uh, varied. The difference there was they had an established winning tradition. We were just trying to build upon it. Um, trying to get to a point where maybe not only were we just focused on trying to win the league, but trying to maybe get to a point where we were making runs in the NCAA tournament and hopefully putting ourselves in a position where we could win the entire thing. Um, I was there for seven years. Uh, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, we had really good players, uh, really good guys that loved being around each other every day. Uh, Every year we were there, uh, we at least competed for a conference title, if not won it. Uh, We were in a position where we won three consecutive conference tournaments. Uh, All seven teams we coached went to the Division II National Tournament. I think two of those teams were ranked as high as second in the country during that time. And then for a lot of reasons that have everything to do with everything but basketball, uh, I made a decision to take the job at Point Loma. Um, it was a better situation for our family as our kids were getting a little bit older, um, easier for me to get home uh, with them at night. Um, but took over a program that the previous year had finished 11th place in the Pac West Conference. So we needed to kind of go back and look at some of the things that we did to kind of resurrect the program uh, like we did at EOU. Uh, and kind of the same things uh, were. Uh, in place there as well. Like we were recruiting a guy that fit uh, how we wanted to play, um, a guy that fit the mission uh, of the university, uh, guys that had had success academically, whether they were coming from a high school, a junior college or another four-year program um, somewhere. But it was important, again, that we have guys that understand that they're part of something bigger than themselves. Um, and it it was Quickly uh, changed there. In the very first season, we started out a little rough, but we ended up in the championship game of the conference tournament. In the second year, we, with a bunch of returning players, uh, had the first team in school history to go to the Division II uh, national tournament. And then the third season, um, we had everybody back and added a guy named Dalton Hamas, who just signed a contract with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and ended up being the division two national player of the year. And we played in the national championship game and just kind of had a, an electric year and experience uh, with that group. So
0: that success at those other stops leads you to your first opportunity as a head coach at Idaho state, you're heading into your third year. Uh, I've called a number of games um, all across the West coast for college basketball networks and, and Idaho state was kind of looked at as an afterthought you obviously had different visions because you've gone there now entering your third year you guys are on a on a very impressive trajectory what was the biggest challenge for you when you took over um, that program
1: you know what Dan for me uh, and I think you hit the nail on the head um, Idaho State doesn't have a rich tradition uh, in men's basketball but quite frankly because of the experiences that I've had in the past that's what excited me about the job. Um, I was excited uh, for the challenge. Um, we think that uh, we're definitely headed in a positive uh, direction now. Um, I think there are a lot of things uh, that kind of play into it. Um, I didn't play Division One. I. I was never a Division I uh, assistant coach. Um, if I was going to take a head coaching job at the Division One level, it was most likely going to be at a place uh, similar to Idaho state. Um, so I looked at everything, uh, in regards to what I was stepping into, uh, and fully understood, uh, the amount of hours and hard work it was going to take, uh, to build this things, uh, or this thing. There are some fascinating parts to it. Like I took the job. My first day was May 1st, 2019 got here. We had six players on the team. um, and two of them were walk-ons. Um, obviously that late in the recruiting cycle, it's it's tough to get it going uh, year one. Uh, but there were a lot of things that we had to establish that first year other than just a roster. Um, we needed to upgrade in a lot of areas, our fundraising. Um, we needed to obviously hire a staff. Uh, we needed to recruit some players, um, but it took a full calendar year to kind of get some of the necessary things in place Uh, that we thought we needed to have to have some success um, at this level. Uh, And then it got hard. Like we struggled that first year, uh, lost a lot of close games somehow miraculously at the end of the season, went on the road to Weber state and won, and then went to the conference tournament and won a first round game. in I want to say 10 plus years uh, at Idaho state. And then the next morning went to shoot around getting ready to play against Montana. And Got done with it, walked back to the hotel, and our athletic director called me and told me the season was canceled uh, because of COVID. So I've coached for a long time now, including all the way to a national championship game. My first year at Idaho State was the only year I've ended the season with a win.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess you could say you were Big Sky co-champs that year, and you did qualify for the NCAA tournament. which i know that's got to be your goal uh, to get idaho state there so you're into season two you've got 13 new players so last year i can only imagine there was an amazing amount of teaching especially early in the year how has the difference been in year two to now the start of year three with fall workouts and real practice just kicking off i can only imagine it's been a little bit easier and it's been a, a a fun opportunity for you to see True growth in your program am I correct?
1: yeah uh, and it's been an interesting time um, that between years one and two uh, in the middle of a global pandemic uh, we needed to recruit 13 brand new players uh, into our program and it got interesting um, we had we were lucky that during the early signing period during that first year we we got a couple uh, high school uh, recruits to commit early. Uh, but other than that, we had to finish off a huge class during a time where the NCA made a mandatory dead period. We couldn't even bring people on visits. We couldn't go out on the road to see them at their schools uh, or their homes. Um, we were literally doing a ton of stuff virtually, trying to uh, show kids that Idaho State was a real opportunity where they could come have some success uh, in basketball. Uh, and it went relatively well. Um, we liked the group of people that we brought in from year one, uh, to year two, but like you mentioned at the end of the day, we started off year two with 13 brand new players who had no experience playing division one basketball. Some of them transferred from junior college, uh, some came from a high school, uh, but none of them had any experience, uh, on the floor, uh, at this level. So yeah, everything was brand new for everyone from workouts in the summertime Uh, to everything that we were doing in the weight room, uh, to how we watched film, um, to the structure of practice uh, every single day. Uh, And it took some time. Uh, That team was picked to finish uh, 10th place in the Big Sky uh, a year ago. Uh, We started off the season uh, after a couple COVID shutdowns. Um, We started on four. Uh, And then next thing you knew, everything started to kind of come together. At one point in time, we were seven and three in Big Sky play and ended uh, the year uh, fourth in the standings with the fourth seed in the conference tournament. Uh, And now going into year three, we have even higher expectations for ourselves. Uh, All those guys who were brand new a year ago, every single one of them are back. Uh, We returned 99 percent of our scoring, rebounding and minutes played uh, from a year ago. So what we're doing Uh, day-to-day is a whole lot different. We've got some experienced players that have logged a whole lot of minutes, not only on game day, but they know how we need to function and operate from day-to-day too.
0: It sounds like you've got literally everything back. If you're saying 99% of scoring, that's got to make you feel good going into this season. But when you take a step back and look again at last year, what was the biggest challenge? Was it um, getting 13 guys on campus? Because I don't think the average fan understands how to get kids admitted to a school, moved into a school, picking a school classes. Was it the practice part of getting 13 guys cohesive at practice and learning what you want? Was it the games because you're trying to figure out who can really put an imprint on a game last year? What was the most challenging
1: aspect of that? You know what, Dan? I think all of us in college basketball learned a year ago how to be flexible you woke up every morning, not knowing what to expect. Um, you had a COVID test so often you didn't know if some guy was going to have uh COVID type symptoms. Um, you literally woke up knowing that you needed to be nimble and flexible um, and how to move through uh, the next 24 hours. Uh, so I think honestly, that was the most challenging part for me. I like to be detailed and organized and, not just know what I'm doing the next day, but I like to know what I'm doing a month from now uh, too. And that was definitely not part of it. So your focus as a coach had to be completely different. Like you had to be able to be willing to adjust on the fly uh, all the time. You didn't know if everyone was gonna be available. You didn't know if one person was gonna sit out. You didn't know if your whole entire team was gonna have to go into a quarantine. And with all that, you didn't know if your opponents were gonna be available to play uh, either. So I think for us, uh, we tried to just simplify it. Um, we knew that going into a year w- with a team that was entirely new, um, and you know this from your experience playing basketball on new teams, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to get everyone on the same page offensively. Um, I mean, we had we had guys that averaged dang near 25 points a game at their junior college. Um, We all know that that's going to be much harder to do it at the division one level, and you're going to have to do it with other guys that had the same experience playing at a little bit lower level as well. So our focus when we took over the program was one to recruit the right type of guys, guys that wanted to be a part of a strong culture um, and a program uh, that was potentially growing. Uh, But a big thing for us and anywhere I've coached, we want to be really good defensively. We want to be an elite rebounding team. So I think that's where our focus was every day. Um, Before our staff got here to ISU, Idaho State had the 11th best defensive team in the conference in regards to uh, points allowed per game. Um, Also had the 11th best rebounding team uh, in the big sky. That's not a good um, recipe to win games. <laughs> in yeah, in regards to rebound margin as well. And in our second year last year, we were number one in the big sky in points allowed per game and number nine in the nation. Um, and got all the way to the point where we had the second best rebound margin within the big sky as well. So our focus was really in those two areas, knowing that offense would eventually come, whether it was last season at some point or maybe even this year. Uh, coming up, but we wanted to be the team that was going to hang our hat on great defense and rebounding and, and just kind of simplify it in our own minds there. Well, I
0: think all good coaches find a couple key attributes that fits their eye to what their team needs to be successful. You obviously found it, but you're a coach who has been a head coach at multiple levels from a young age. As you build your staff and you are looking for assistance, and then maybe as well as when young coaches reach out to you for advice, what impresses you when you look at young up and coming coaches that are either a part of your program or guys that maybe you see have a bright future in the in the industry?
1: Yeah, I think there's a few things. Um, obviously you want guys who are hardworking uh, and loyal, um, being able to filter through all of that can sometimes be uh, a little bit challenging. Um, I know in regards to how I am and how I coach some of the things I ask of not only our players, but our staff um, are sometimes unique. Um, We practice different uh, than some teams may. Um, I think some of the duties that I may assign to the people that I have helping me uh, might be unique and challenging at some points um, too. Um, I'm not, Uh, a guy that loves to have a staff meeting every single day and tell all of our staff exactly what they need to be doing. Um, I want to give them a list of duties and let them have some ownership in regards to getting them done. Um, So I think it's simple. When you break down all those things, I want guys who are hardworking that have a sense of urgency, that understand that no job is too big or too small. Um, but then like a big thing for me too, is recruiting. Like I know when I was young, whether it was an assistant coach or even starting out as a head coach at, uh, Eastern Oregon or Seattle Pacific, I took a lot of pride in making sure if not me, that someone on our staff was virtually at everything and visible and seen. So when I'm out recruiting now, like I'm paying attention to players, obviously, but I'm also watching like, what young coaches are there out there that I see at every single event I'm at? Um, those are the ones that are intriguing to me, guys that understand the grind and know that they need to be out and visible and seen by a ton of people. So with
0: the recruiting side, you've coached at multiple levels, so you understand the the AAU process and the high school process. When you're recruiting a kid now for Idaho State, Where do you gain your most amount of of legit information and and honesty? Would it be from the high school coach or from the AAU coach? And how do you balance and decipher the information from both to make the decisions that make the most sense for you and your program?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the answer to that, from my perspective, is both. We try to talk to everyone involved uh, in the kid's life. But I've also here at Idaho state tried to draw back to some of my previous experiences, you know, like when I took over at Eastern Oregon, um, again, it was a program that they hadn't had a lot of tradition in men's basketball, uh, and in an isolated geographical region, like there's a mountain pass on both sides of Lagrand. Um, it's four hours from Spokane and three hours from Boise. Um, not a lot of players, uh, Relatively close um, to there. Uh, we needed to be unique uh, in regards to who we recruited. So, all the way back then, I leaned on relationships with uh, previous people. Um, quite frankly, I was from Spokane and we had a small budget at EOU. When it got time to recruit players, I would leave LeGrand, drive to Spokane, sleep at my parents' house, and see as many kids as I possibly could while I was there. Also, during that time, my sister lived in Seattle, so I'd do the same thing, hop in my car, drive to Seattle, stay at her house, see as many coaches, uh, whether the AAU coach, high school coach, players, uh, that we possibly could. uh, And kind of just leaned on all those previous relationships with AAU coaches and high school coaches or anyone else that might be in someone's life uh, as a way we could help get them interested uh, in our program. And quite frankly, we're doing the same thing here uh, at Idaho State. Um, I think up to this point, we've been in a position where it's just kind of hard to spin our wheels and take a shot on guys that we don't have a connection to. Um, Idaho State doesn't have a rich tradition in men's basketball. We are uh, located in a spot geographically that sometimes can be challenging uh, to get to. So we're, we're leaning on relationships that our staff has uh with people um not just around uh the pacific northwest but maybe the country and even globally um, as well if you looked at our roster we do have guys from the northwest we do have guys uh from idaho but we also have some guys from arizona and we also have some players from europe uh as well um so i think what we're doing is somewhat unique maybe not you might get a different answer uh, from a lot of different coaches uh, that you talk to, but I'm trying to lean on high school coaches uh, that I've recruited players from uh, over the course of the last 15 to 20 years. i um, leaning on AAU coaches that we've done uh, the same with. And then honestly, like we might be leaning on a teacher at a high school uh, that has a connection um, to a player. Uh, we might have a family friend of someone uh, who's connected to a player uh, I think those are the things that, in the recruiting process, are really important to us right now. Until we get to the point where we can finish in that that upper tier of the Big Sky consecutive years, um, and people identify Idaho State as a place that you can go to and have success in in basketball.
0: Well, coach, it's uh, definitely a challenge that you took head on, and in, in the progress that you've been making with that program has been fun to watch. I look forward to watching it this upcoming season. So I appreciate you joining. I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck with the upcoming season. And, and maybe that will mean you end the Big Sky tournament on another win and you're on your way to the NCAA tournament. That would be great, I'm sure. So best of luck.
1: Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you having me.